What do you mean you got there exactly on time? Ever since we started using Fleetmatics to keep track of our trucks and vans, our business has been running really smoothly. Are you telling me you've cut your fuel costs? The boss doesn't have anything to yell about anymore, but some habits are hard to break. Oh, great. Another call from a happy customer. Fleetmatics takes the drama out of business. Make fleet tracking more intelligent with real-time tracking, fuel monitoring, and more. Visit fleetmatics.com slash start or call 1-877-350-DEMO for intelligence at work. Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website at richmondbizlive.com and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Good morning, Richmond, on this beautiful spring day at our downtown studios at 308 Broad Street. This is Richmond Biz Live, a business talk show on WLE News Talk 990. Hope you've had a successful and profitable week, and now it's your time to make it complete. Thanks for joining us on our journey to grow Richmond's economy one company at a time. Call and make that business yours, 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483, or even easier if you're in the car, 844-BIZLIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. I'm your host, William Eastman. I'm managing partner for the Growth Works, a small uh, business growth firm. Uh, not that we're small, but we focus on small businesses. Headquartered in Richmond with offices in Kansas City, Las Vegas. And if you live in Calgary, Alberta, Calgary, uh, for us Americans, Calgary. Um, and this is the place to be uh, every Saturday morning because what you have here is basically where Richmond businesses are helping Richmond businesses. Every segment is authored by a business expert and business owner. Uh, what you hear is how we run our businesses. This is not theory. Uh, this is about how to, get the, how to get it done, how to make your dream come true. Now, this week's topics, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on brand leadership, but from a personal perspective, and we're going to focus on its implementation, both from a strategic and process base, as well as from technology. Um, every topic is organized into 10 minutes uh, conversations, kind of our version of a TED conference, Radio TED. And we're going to answer three questions in that 10 minutes to you. One, why should I be listening? Why is this critical to me as a business owner? Number two, what benefit, if you do anything with it, can you expect in your business? And number three, the third one is, how do I get it done? Now, how does show happen? I like to talk about this every week because what it's done is it's taken away my Saturdays. It used to be in the old days that every Saturday at 10 o'clock right now, I'd be sitting there and I'd be at, trying to answer four questions. Are we on plan this week as a company, which means where are we on marketing and sales? Did we get the, the campaigns out? Have we done the conversions? Have we closed the deals we're supposed to? Are we on schedule, which means the products that we had promised to produce for somebody, did we do it, or the services that had to be delivered, did it happen? The status of cases, have we cleared the decks of old customer complaints, have any come in, and what's the root cause, and then finally, are we on budget, are we making money, and specifically, how is cash flow, because after all, what's in the cigar box is really what matters. What QuickBooks says is not important, it's how much cash I have on hand right now. And I thought, how powerful would it be that as I'm working on this, 
somebody would be in the background on radio, not television, because television requires too much attention, but on radio so that I could be working on this and suddenly go, wow, that's cool, I can use that. Um, and so everything we do on the show is about the proposition of, can I help you run it better? Can I help you grow it better? Can I help you generate wealth for yourself, your family, your employees, and your community? Uh, we clearly understand that we, entrepreneurs, small business owners, are the tide that raises all boats. So let me start off with our first segment this morning. Um, everything that we, uh, that we cover on the show is available on our website at richmondbizlive.com. Just go to the resources section and you can download. We got lots of cool stuff and to call in and join us on the show. That's 844-249-5483. Our first segment today is, uh, we're going to continue on this issue of branding. We've taken it from the uh, corporate perspective and from the personal perspective. And we're going to be discussing content marketing this morning with Mary Foley from Bodacious Ventures. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Great to be here. Okay. Uh, So tell me about uh, content marketing. Why is it important? Well, you know, last time I shared just this whole simple strategy that you can get started with content marketing, build your thought leadership. And that's simply to come up with the top 10 questions that people often have prospects, customers, existing customers about your product or your service. Things that you think of every day. Oh, yeah, I know. We always get asked, you know, well, how, how does IT even make a difference? Or, and so you, you come up with that. And then the idea is to proactively share your expertise online. So content marketing is really all about front-loading, if you want to call it that way, mm-hmm. your value that you bring to the marketplace um, and in offering it out there generously and, and in small bits oftentimes, sometimes in larger bits like I'd like to share today. But it's the idea of you've got expertise, you can create it, you can package it into content pieces, and you can proactively put it out there, and it's a way to attract cust- pro- prospects and customers. In fact, you know, it, uh, I got this whole idea from you a while back, and the idea of the radio show is nothing more than content marketing, is it not? Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, we right now, and all the segment hosts that you have, are offering value totally free, uh, both on the air, on the web, and that is what people will, they will listen to us first, say, hmm, you know, that Bill Eastman, he's pretty smart. I've got a problem, or I've got a challenge in growing my business. Um, I really think he might be able to help me, but guess what? They haven't contacted you yet, Bill. They haven't contacted me if content marketing is something like they dive into. That's why it's so important that we put things out there for people to find um, as they're searching for solutions to their problems. They're not looking for growth works, and they're not looking for Mary Foley, Bodacious Ventures. They're looking to solve their problems, and that's a huge, huge aspect of content marketing, solve other people's problems. And, and you know, and that, that is both obvious and not obvious. And so talk a little bit more about the benefits and how this works. Well, you know, one of them we've really talked about already is lead generation. Um, and that is we're always, you know, as business owners, well, it, you've got to keep getting existing customers to repeat and new customers coming in. You need new leads. Well, the game has completely changed on how leads are generated. They're not generated the old school way as I've got a list. I do lots of cold calling. I do um you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, everything is completely referrals. That, if you're in that mindset, you're probably not getting the same amount of leads you used to. How it has shifted, both subtly and significantly, is is that using the web, but also you can do lots. Some of this in person is that is 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 putting out um, 
content pieces that solve people's problems. So lead generation's big. It also helps you build your credibility before people even perhaps even interact with you. And so you're putting out not just your expertise of, hey, we're great at air conditioner repairs. No, we know about the most innovative new products and techniques um, or or products coming out for, for, let's say, air conditioning. So credibility. It also helps move your prospects through the sales funnel without you even knowing it. So before they contact you, whether they're picking up the phone or they're doing an email, it is they you're moving them through the sales funnel and and the other is because today i'd like to really focus in on on uh white papers and reports is that these particular kinds of content marketing uh can have staying power if they're written well and they really are helping to solve someone's problem um and they're showing off your your expertise in the process they will likely hold on to them longer than looking at an article or even something they may see on social media yeah, and I, I, I want to pick up on something about moving it through the sales uh, funnel because I know uh, Mike Carroll talked about it in the last show, in fact, probably the last two shows, is that at some stage in the sales process, the customer is comparing you to other people. And the beauty of this approach is that if, the, if your competitors are providing this information, you give the client or the a potential customer the opportunity to do a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing it, which I think is the case, then you provide you can kind of set the standard out there because you're you've said this is what it's really about you've established that in the customer's mind that makes it hard for somebody else to compete with doesn't it well yeah there was a ceb study i mentioned this before 57 percent of buyers um b2b buyers in particular and i think b2c is even higher but 57 percent of this one report of b2b buyers indicated that they are already doing their research and coming to conclusions before they contact you. So here's the thing, that you've got to be out there already with your uh, competitors. They're not saying, hmm, many, fewer and fewer, that stat was showing is, you're not even getting a chance, okay, unless you have something out there. So, and we're talking out there online in particular. If you're yeah. not online, you don't exist. So as we move into the next one, how do you do this? What you're basically saying, Mary, is that, because of how the world has changed because of the web, what content marketing, it's really turning marketing into sales. You're actually selling much earlier than we traditionally think because we think about it, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get some leads and then I'm going to get some of those people engaged and then mm-hmm. some of those people I'm going to convert and pretty soon I'm going to be able to open a sale and now I'll begin to sell. And what you're saying is, oh, no, you started selling a long time ago. And right. it's actually making marketing more important to the to the business than ever. Right. Well, you know, we could have a conversation. Is what's what's the difference between marketing and sales? And we could splice it all up. But let's face it, all small business, all big business. What are we trying to do? We're trying to attract customers to us. And the mm-hmm. point is, is that how that happens has fundamentally shifted. So yes, you are essentially starting the sales process by doing some content marketing. It's simply that it's not packaged as direct sales or a big you know offer it is packaged as information and value and solving people's problems and and that's how it, and it's it, it's it's like consultative selling in the past where you got to talk to someone right. about well what's really going on with your you know your business bill oh well listen, and you listen to challenges and then you start to offer potential solutions imagine taking that conversation putting it online and and backing it up okay so how do you do that Okay, well, 
last time I talked about, as I said before, um, one easy way to get started if you have not, you've not done this at all is to have your top 10 questions uh, that people often ask you. And then you come up with answers and those answers you write down. And then you can put them out on blogs. And you can put them out on social media and you can mm-hmm. start to use them even verbally. Today, I want to share about this idea of you can use, because content marketing has several different flavors or, or strategies. Another one is white papers and reports. We've all heard of it, right? So um, the idea is this is a little bit more in depth. All right, and I want to give some tips about how to write a good white paper, make it available online, but you can also have it ready to go offline. You could print some of these out. You can also um, have them ready to go in a digital form like a PDF that as you meet people in networking uh, one-on-one that you can always email them these, this as well. So there's multiple ways you can use it, but first got to create it. So a white paper can be, you know, three pages long, can be 10 or more pages long. But here's some things. You've got to make sure you understand who exactly is the audience you're writing to and the more specific the better okay because it is about problem solving so who am I writing to um, the other is you want to uh, you obviously want to engage the reader and the, the engage is oh I feel your pain here's what it is I articulate it and titles are really really key um, in fact I have you know I have an, a white paper an ebook I wrote called understanding power plays and not be played yourself geared completely for women could have been called office politics for women boring right Mm -hmm. but understanding power plays and not be played yourself speaks to that emotion of yeah i don't want to be played another thing is it's really important that it's it's clear easy writing that people can uh absorb you know forget your jargon forget your industry kind of complex terms Uh, people are looking to solve problems in their business talk to them in that way and in fact i love this little tip i picked up on uh, I'm kind of doing some research on this, and it's called the 333. Three seconds as people scan online, three seconds to get their attention, which is right. why the title is so important. You then, if you get those three seconds, you've got 30 seconds in the first paragraph, maybe two max, as they scan those to go, oh, yeah, this is going to help me. This is exactly the kind of thing I'm challenged by. And then if you get past the, the three seconds and the 30 seconds, you then have three minutes to continue to capture their attention. So even if you have a complex problem that you are helping to solve, you better make it simple enough and in simple enough terms. Wow. We're going to come back to that, uh, the 330. 330. 333. Okay. There you go. Now, I've got some examples of RVA businesses I wanted to share real quick so that people can say, let me see some good examples of white papers, good examples of reports that draw people in, lead generation, and add some content and value. One is by... Mike Carroll with Focus uh, Business here on richmondbizlive.com. If you go on focusbusiness.sandler.com, their website, you can immediately see that you can get a white paper, uh, a report, they call it, same same thing, called the three business... Visit nah, the three biz, biggest sales <laughs> mistakes <laughs> that you should never make. Okay, um, and you put in your name and your email. Boom, you get this. Okay, mm-hmm. they do excellent sales training, excellent sales coaching. All right. right. Would you want to know the three biggest mistakes that you're making and evaluate right. yourself? Another one is by um, a company here uh, in town called Knowledge Advisory Group. And if you go to knowledgeadvisorygroup.com, you're right. going to see that there's a, uh, a report called the number one secret for how to compete for funding and win. Now, this ends up being a specialty consulting firm that is focused on measurement and evaluation for the nonprofit arena. 
You can immediately download it. And here's the thing I really love about that. I also immediately got an email right after that that said, you know, great for you for downloading it. Here's the link again. And because you did, I want to reward you with an hour consultation. Wow. So if I read this report and I go, I, I got to talk to Trina Willard, who is the right. CEO and president. I, I will, you know, I should do that. Um, and one last quick example. Got an email just a few days ago as I was preparing for the show. I was already on their email list because I right. probably opted in for something, you know, and it from Nimble Pitch here in the oh, RVA yeah. area. So these are all RVA businesses. Very creative idea they're running at Nimble they, Pitch. Well, here's the thing. They have a new e- e- not e-book. They have a new download, they call it. It's a white paper's report, whatever you want to call it. And it says 12 interactive storytelling tools for creating an engaging mini site. And they go on, and this is an email that then I got, and I and they gave me some, you know, what would be, why would I be interested in it? Click mm-hmm. on the link, and I can download it. See, so even existing leads, you can continue to make white papers and other valuable content pieces like this, and continue to engage them as if you as you have new products or new services or a new version or some new. Um, you know, some, some new exciting version of your tool, and they do a, a really powerful software tool. So these are three RVA companies doing it right, doing it well. Check them out and watch, and you can copy some of their ideas and apply it to your business. Mary, how can people get a hold of you to find out how to do this more? Because I know that you're really in the middle of all, of content marketing. <laughs> Thanks. Um, like all of the biz experts on richmondbizlive.com, you can go to Richmond biz Live radio, uh, richmondbizlive.com and click on biz experts. My direct uh, website is maryfoley.com, which is F-O-L-E-Y. And feel free to email me directly, um, mary at maryfoley.com. You'll see on my website, my area of expertise and focus is on uh, career women, increasing their career confidence. Uh, and therefore, what I'm also working on is helping some on- women entrepreneurs to what I call muster their mojo, market their value. So feel free to contact me directly if you'd like. Okay. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for being on. And we'll be back. Mary Foley here. If you're a small business owner in RVA, you're an expert in something, be it building websites, selling insurance, or HR consulting. Are you proactively sharing pieces of your expertise to attract new clients and keep existing ones? Well, that's what thought leadership is all about. Join me on Richmond Biz Live Saturdays at 10 on WLEE News Talk 990 for easy ways you can use thought leadership to grow your business. As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating, enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself? To navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Schulich, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com. And we're back. And now we're going to move back over to uh, the operations area and Mr. Lean himself. And the reason I say that is uh, currently I am one of the, one of the, the things that our organization is doing is we're working as a virtual executive in a manufacturing firm where I am the number two guy. And I'm what I'm doing is implementing Lean. So as Andy gets back into this topic, this is something close to my heart. So, Andy, welcome back to the show. This is Andy Schulich from uh, Metamorphosis Management Consulting. Well, good morning, Bill. I'm glad to be here today. Okay. So, 
so getting into this, one of the things I was looking at is, uh, as you and I discussed this this morning, um, that got me, and it's it's the co- it's the core concept to start with, is that the idea that all demand in a manufacturing facility or all demand period should be customer based. That is correct, and that is very very important because if you can't deliver to the customer, you have no reason to be in business, and so with that. Um, basically, what you want to do is uh, to develop a strategic focus for the whole organization. And basically, this is the alignment of all the business functions to produce the customer's defined deliverables, because that's what you're in business to do. Uh, and then from this, you uh, develop your strategic directives. And in doing so, that um, once you got your directives done, you can produce your goals, which are the measurable items that you use in operations. And in doing so, looking at the whole corporation or the business, everybody must be focused on the same goals. Right. And, 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 I, and what it allows you to do is that, look at it this way. If you had a spreadsheet and you had three columns and you've got, you've got the goals and then you've got the steps around that, that and implement those, there's only three choices. Either it's, it provides value to the customer, which means they would pay for it. Or two is you can't make it if you don't take that step. So it's got to be in there. Or three, the customer won't pay for it, and it doesn't have any value, and we've identified waste that we ought to be taking out, or we've identified goals that we shouldn't be working on. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, as an example of that, uh, last time I used my peanut butter and jelly English muffin, um, basically the customer wants the peanut butter and jelly English muffin. Well, leadership look, look, looks at it, and they develop the strategies, and they really say, well, maybe it should be a peanut butter and jelly biscuit, which is a little different. And then management looks at it to produce the goals, and they say, well, maybe I should be butter and jelly on an English muffin. And purchasing from a materials cost says, no, no, we want to do a cream cheese bagel. Okay, I'm eating that one. (laughs) So operations is totally confused as to what to do. And so this drastically impacts what happens because you can't sell anything, you don't have cash flow, and the longevity of the business is really at risk. And, and so what that's really saying, and it was in our, our list of best practices as we were assembling this particular module, is that if it provides no value to the customer, you got to ask yourself a serious question. Why are we making it? Why are we building it? Or why are we engaged in that step? So let's talk about the criticality of this, Andy. Okay, well, it's, it's very important to have this strategic focus, and it really needs to be... Um, again, directed to the specific deliverables that the customer wants. And not only has have to be the owner's um, knowledge, but it has to be the knowledge of the entire workforce. Because if everybody's working to the same goal, then you're going to be able to supply the customer with what they want, and therefore you'll be able to sell your product and be able to stay in business. So it's really, really identified And looking at the specific items down in the operations, um, being focused, it helps you identify and modify the items that are not providing um, good return on investment to the customer, and uh, you have the chance then to eliminate these or modify them. But the successful completion of the gold effort uh, enables the company to progress and fulfill their vision and mission is very very important. Yeah, and I and, and let me echo what Andy was talking about about looking at identifying and modifying or removing replacing 
things that provide no value. Where I'm working right now is that a 15% uh, reduction in defect or a 15% increase in productivity will make all the difference in the world. We're talking millions of dollars to the bottom line in that business, and we're doing it by simply replacing the things that provide no value to the customer that we're building for. Okay, so what's the benefits? Besides that, obviously, I got into the benefit picture. Yeah, well, that, let's no, that's talk about good. benefit, Andy's. Well, you know, as Linda Heath talked about it the last time when you looked at this. You want to maximize your return on your investments, which means the utilization of your resources and all the, the raw materials and finished goods that you produce. And additionally, what it does is it makes a more stable work environment. Therefore, you can predict things. Uh, everybody understands where they're going, and they can then provide feedback to help to identify additional um, enhancements to what you're doing. And uh, because of this, uh, the successful implementation, implementation, I can't get you straight. You had enough coffee this morning. I know. Uh, implement, now, now you got me to do it. Implementation. Implementation of uh, the progressive steps uh, in reaching the business and <laughs> our producer, our producers having a problem with the word too. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, so it really allows you to grow your business to the next level. Okay, so that that kind of gets us over into the important piece now. And I know that on the how we can't get it all done. They're going to have to get hold of you. But let's talk about how to do it. Okay. Well, one thing that the very basic thing you have to do is to listen to the customer and to develop strategic plans around that, what the customer wants. Uh, once that is done, it's very, very important to inform all the employees of the strategic plan and get their buy-in so that they know what has to yeah. be done. And that's something that I talked about and Linda talked about. We call this line of sight. If you expect the employees to make it happen, they've got to look at what they're doing and have line of sight to what the organization is trying to achieve. And, and then once that's done uh, in developing the good goals that you have so that they are uh, something that can be measured, um, you can get feedback on it, and you can make adjustments to what you're doing. And then, most importantly, when you give somebody something new to do is to educate them so that they won't fail because they don't know how to do it. So you have to help them learn what to do. And in turn, as they do it, they will educate you because they see what's working and what's not. And then this is what we call lessons learned. You need to share the lessons learned of successes, most importantly, failures, with all employees okay so and and i'm going to pick up on that in fact in, in my segment uh um, when i talk about people this issue about goals employees involved education i'm going to get into that in more detail because no, you're dead on because the, the other beauty of of the lean mindset is we're not looking at engineers coming in to figure out how to fix stuff quality is built by the people who do the work right right and, so, and it, it is a team effort. Okay. It just isn't, you know, a single person. So, so let's kind of summarize this out. Okay, so in summary, the strategic plan is the roadmap for the future of the business. And a strategic plan is further broken down into the goals, which are the measurable and manageable items that the um, operations end of the business really works towards and all business personnel must be involved and follow the roadmap 
in order to achieve their business success. Okay. And so, Andy, if you, if you had to go back from your almost, what, 40 years experience of doing this? Right. Where's the failure points? What are the things that, that, that they've really got to uh, pay attention to to prevent this from failing? Okay. As the business owner, basically, you have to go ahead and constantly go and ask questions to your organization to see if they really understand what the strategies are. And if they don't, provide the, some education and bring them in because they are your company. Although you're the owner, they do the work and their output is what the, your customer sees and helps you grow. Okay, Andy, I greatly appreciate it. How, how do people get in touch with you? Okay, you can go online to um, richmondbizlive.com and uh, see my information there. Or you can go ahead and contact me on the web at www.metamorphosismc.com. Okay, and if, if you do a Google search, because it took me a couple times to spell it, you'll yes. find it. it. It'll come up pretty fast. Yes. So, Andy, thanks a lot. Thanks for sharing with us your expertise around lean, and I'll see you in two weeks. Very good. Enjoyed okay. it. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, man. Okay, so we've had kind of that perspective. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, – we're going to – continue that but we're going to look at a different part of the business we were talking about the production of things or the execution of services and and to me i treat those two things the same way now what we're going to do is talk about how do i bring kind of this me a lean um process view to the world of managing customer relations and so what i have this morning joining us is my colleague from firestarter the firestarter group uh, we Tran and we good seeing you this morning. How are you? Hey, Bill, doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. So, anyway, uh, let's 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 get to it. I'm I'm a huge advocate of of uh, customer relationship systems CRMs. Um, I I really am because I I can't I could not manage without it. It's impossible to do. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and um, it's it's I'm really happy to talk about this topic today. I know we uh, we mentioned it briefly um, last week, or at least the week before. So with CRM, I believe that it's one of the most valuable systems that any small business owner can implement. Um, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management, and what it does is it enables businesses to uh, tackle operational challenges, so including um, sales tracking, customer information, seeing the visibility of your customers, and um, the production stage and the accounting aspect of it. Okay. So out, all out of one system. Okay. In fact, in fact, um, as I look at it, I, I think that there are probably three critical systems in any organization, and I know we're talking about CRMs today, but if you think about it, it's a CRM, customer relationship management, it's project management, and it's accounting. Yeah. That those are really the three pieces. So as we talk about the CRM, keep in mind that good CRM systems, either one, do some of this, or two, they hook into some common packages. So data entry once is data yeah. entry everywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, so... A recent study from Salesforce.com. Salesforce is the uh, is one of the bigger CRM systems that yeah. bigger companies would use. Um, their recent study shows that companies who fully utilize the CRM see, can see sales increase by twenty nine percent, which is a big number. Yeah, and um, so just to dive a little deeper into CRM, I, I do want to mention that um, almost all small businesses now use a very simple tool to track their sales on their business operations. This tool is called spreadsheets. 
Uh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> I, got, I got a story about SAP later I'll share with you about oh. spreadsheets. <laughs> so I'm sure that a lot of business owners out there who are listening can definitely relate to spreadsheets because they're, they're easy to manipulate. They're easy right. to get started. But I know for a fact that as businesses grow and they get bigger, um, their operations tend to get a little bit more intricate. So thus they need some more customization features that spreadsheets just doesn't offer. And also is the fact is that the spreadsheet is really not a dynamic tool because it's all about who programmed it and then how do we share it and how do we know what the current spreadsheet is if i got 10 people running off the same spreadsheet what's the current document absolutely right yeah no no absolutely right and this is where crm comes into play and crm is is the key that's going to help you the business owner um be more effective with your operations so actually i I like to think of lord of rings with one ring to rule them all i think of crm as one system to rule all spreadsheets um so (laughs) We'll run into uh, briefly the different um, benefits of a CRM. So obviously the first one is the the sales cycle, to be able to track your clients, track that sales cycle. So CRM gives you a visibility, the visibility of your client base. And then through that, you can actually formulate different strategies on how you should market to your clients or sell to them. So if if you think back now and we go back to Mike Carroll, I don't don't think it was last week, but but his prior show, he Mm -hmm. talked about you got to pick the right business model. Uh, in a sales model in terms of how to sell what this gives you the ability to do is once you've picked it you can program the crm oh yeah in any step or process that you want to use is that right oh yeah absolutely i mean you know it's like for example a great strategy would be if you were to track all your customers and you find that your customer base is mostly people who are in the medical industry then what you can do is that you can now begin tailoring your sales pitch or your um you know training your staff to be more focused on that industry, you know, to work on that mm-hmm. vertical whenever they're out um, selling your product. Or what Mary was talking about earlier with content management or content yeah. marketing where you could put out, where you could you could have a campaign around white papers and all of that that's part of the sales process. Yeah. Really not part of the marketing process anymore, but part of sales. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. absolutely. Um, so what else can CRMs do? It can do uh, profitability tracking. So actually to be able to integrate CRMs with an accounting system or to have an accounting system built into a CRM, um, businesses with spreadsheets, it's really hard to do this. But to have a system that will automate this for you, I think is going to really show you um, more visibility into your business and where it's going. And, and I, the, 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 one of the first questions I ask my clients or yeah, potential clients when I work with them who are your most profitable customers? And you know what I get every time? The answer I get is the one that generates the most revenue. And because they don't know what they are actually doing to win that business and service it, right. they may be losing money on that account because that account doesn't fit the sweet spot. If I've got yep. some sort of CRM, I can look at it and I can begin to determine who's the most profitable in terms of who's the closest to my offer, who do I have to do the least amount of work for yep. to get paid on time. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. No, no, very valid point. <laughs> so then the, um, you know, that, that, that third option you mentioned about yeah. CRMs and what CRM does is to be able to track projects. So n- the third benefit of a CRM is the workflow benefit. Yes. So to be able to track your projects and to have CRM, you can automate your workflow. So let's say, for example, you know that your sales cycle goes from a lead to an opportunity and then closing the business. So let's say in between lead and opportunity, you need to, you have certain criteria that needs to be met before you can take it to the next stage. Well, this is going to give you um, that automation. It's going to give you a restriction so that you just don't dive straight in and all of a sudden things get messy. You actually have a workflow that's in the order of your business. 
Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, your business is now more efficient, it's more productive because now you have a step-by-step process. It's easier to train your staff on, you know, on your uh, operations so that you can increase more sales, increase better customer service. And you don't have to play this game of, hey, where is account number one this week? Because last week they were here. Well, look, you know, I, I don't know. Did you, did you look on the spreadsheet? Now you don't have to look on the spreadsheet anymore. You're just looking to see well, yours. I looked stuff. on my spreadsheet, but I, apparently I didn't see yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, w- one more thing before you move on to uh, the customer service piece uh, improvement is, how about integrating uh, CRMs with websites? CRMs can definitely be integrated with websites. The, um, so a great example would be um, you can have an online form. So let's say if a customer goes into your website and they're interested about your product, they can begin registering their information to find out more uh, details or to get a quote about your product on your website. And then that data can now be transferred into the uh, CRM database. Okay. And you can now begin tracking it. And so you don't have to do double entry. Mm-hmm. They do it, you know, you let your customer do it for you. Yeah, so oh, really like great integration. That. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, so now how about on uh, CSI when we take a look at customer satisfaction uh, improvements? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so customer satisfaction improvements. I mean, to have a tool that where you can track your sales, ultimately be more updated with your customers and where they're at in your sales cycle, what that means is an increase in sales, but also an increase in customer satisfaction. Um, now your employees will know what to do when there is possibly a complaint or when there is um, a question about, hey, you know, where is the next step in your sales cycle? Mm-hmm. Your employees can actually respond quicker by having one system to go to and to be able to view versus sharing multiple spreadsheets. Right, and, yeah. and most CRMs will allow you to have what I talked about in my piece around cases. Yep. It, it, typically in a CRM package, it would be called support case. And what that is, a customer has complaint, has a complaint or has an issue, mm-hmm. And you can create a case, and you can track it, and lo and behold, perhaps we can fix it and make them happy, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So to wrap up, I have some tips for you guys out there. Um, So if you're a small business owner and you're still using spreadsheets to track all your needs, I think it's time to start looking for a CRM. You know, there are tons of different CRM options out there. So some questions I would ask before you dive into our CRM. Questions would be, um, what is my current operations and how does my business current operate right now? And then begin tailoring, then ask the CRM companies or wherever CRM product you're going to, does that fit me? Does that fit my business? Mm-hmm. And then ask how easy is it to implement? Because that's the one key thing about CRMs is that because this is a new system, it's going to come in, it's going to radically change your business for the good or it can be for the bad if implemented incorrectly. Right. Yeah, so you have to make sure that the implementation process of a CRM goes smoothly. And there are different CRM experts out there that are willing to help you, even the CRM um, developers themselves. Yeah. They'll, walk, they'll, they'll begin walking you through the flow a- of anybody it. Anybody that you would recommend in the market uh, to help people with CRMs? I mean, obviously us here at the Firestarter Group, uh, we'll help okay. you out with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, what, what, um, what packages are you high on? If, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a business owner and I'm out there looking, which ones do you – yeah, you consider good. Yeah, so some CRMs that we consider good out there is that there is um, Insightly.com has a web-based CRM. There is Podio.com that has a web-based CRM as well. Bill here uses Work Etc., which is a very fine CRM that works absolutely uh, well. And there's also Highrise CRM as well. Okay, and we talked about so uh, Salesforce, and then the other one I'll throw out because I started there is Zoho, Z-O-H-O, mm-hmm. which is also an excellent and it 
And if it's only one person, it's free. Yeah, there you okay. go. Okay. So that. how do people get a hold of you? Uh, you can get a hold of us through the uh, Firestarter website, so firestartergroup.com, and also you can find us on the uh, Richmond Biz Live under um, experts as well. Hey, great. Good seeing you again, Willie. Bill, it's always a pleasure. All right, take care. Take care. And we'll be right back. My name is Wee Tran, IT and Web Director of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts work relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audience. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com and richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. We're back. It is WLEE News Talk 990 AM. And uh, we are now currently at uh, 46 minutes past the hour, and I'm going to be talking just a little bit about the idea of people and challenging talent, okay? So what this is, is this has been a logical progression that I've been working from the very beginning, is I've been taking owner's executive and the people segment, the HR segment, and going back and forth between the two. And so where I left it off last week was the key performance objectives uh, was one thing that I wanted to focus on with people. I wanted them to be, have a line of sight, as we've talked about several times today. I wanted them to have a line of sight to the corporate objectives, number one and number two. I want to empower them by giving them real-time data about what the customers think about the products that they buy and the, and the the services they receive, and the experience around that whole process. Because if I do that, they can be more intelligent about doing their job. Well, I want to take that a step further, and today I'm going to talk about two attributes from our best practices here, talking about um, encouraging initiative and feeling value. And these are kind of on the end. If we've done everything that we've talked about, then we can get there. So let's take encouraging an initiative. And this is, this is our payoff from, letting, uh, from getting people into the game of business, as we've talked about. So many of us who are serial entrepreneurs and business owners, um, we're in the game, and that's part of the fun. And the, the challenge is nobody else is in the game. So how, how do we get people who care about the business as much as we do? Well, they're not owners, and they will never get to that point. But you know what? They're not in the game. And if they're not in the game, then to them, this is just a job. Well, you want just a job, go get a job at a big company because they can survive it. In a small company, everybody's got to be tied in, enthused, and pumped about doing their work. And so we've discussed how should management get involved to make that happen? What models, what behaviors do they want to model for people so people can, instead of you know this do as I say, not as I do, they're going to start off by they listen with their they listen with their eyes and they see what you do and that's what they're going to copy. So that's what I'm going to model. I you know I share key business information with them so they're in the flow. Now I don't share everything, and I don't share every segment with every person. 
It's selective to what is necessary for that job. But this idea that information is power, I'm going to hold it back, that's, that's ludicrous. That's crazy. If you're doing that, you're not growing the company because it can't get any bigger than you. And, and last week, I hopefully, I slammed this hub-and-spoke idea to death, that you're the hub of the wheel and they're the spokes. And the problem is a 50-spoke wheel doesn't run very well. Um, we talked about building positive expectations for the p- future. Is convincing people that this company has a future and that they have a, par- uh, a part to play in that. Pushing business goals, the things that are typically on my desk and my direct reports, pushing it down to them so they can see it within the context of their own job because their job is not to perform the tasks that are in their business, uh, in their um, uh, job description, uh, because that's useless. Their job is when they're doing those tasks is to achieve the business goals. And all that gets us here to challenging the people to use their talent. Everything we've done is so far is to define a solution space is basically to paint for people a box to say if your behavior if your decisions fall within that box i'm not going to tell you what to do go for it if it's outside the box then maybe we need to talk because it has some constraints on it that you don't have any control over but if i can define that solution space for people and then i know that they're trained to develop as Andy talked about then pretty much i can make this happen and because why is that critical? Let me take kind of a different approach here, a little bit more philosophical. I don't know if any of you, have, uh, when you were in school, I think if you went to college, you probably um, had to read uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And it was a fairly significant book for me because it was about the Holocaust and about living in a concentration camp. And yet the book had absolutely nothing to do with living in a concentration camp. It had to be people in this environment, the ones that survived, were the ones who understood that life Life, it goes certain ways that you have no control over, and how do you draw meaning from that is really the difference between who survived and who didn't. And it stuck with me because if you think about it, why are we serial entrepreneurs? Well, we get meaning from our lives because we create something out of the nothing. I have an idea about a business that I want to create. It does not exist until I make it into a reality. That is as much an art form as any sculptor or any painter or any musician, is that people need meaning in their lives in order to survive. They spend the majority of their time coming to work, and yet we put them in positions where we don't allow them to draw meaning. If I want people engaged, I have to understand that they're on this search. What do I I want to do, regardless of the job, is I want to challenge their talent, I want to challenge their abilities, and I want to give them as much autonomy as the situation will allow. Okay? If people can find that and they can satisfy that, then what you have is you have the type of workforce that only a small business can have. And when we're talking about the difference between the 80 percenters who are just hanging on and the 15 percent that are doing well looking but trying to decide the future, I will guarantee you that the, the content of the people in terms of what they produce is part of that reason. And it's also true of the difference between the 5 and the 15 percent. Part of that content is the fact that people are a competitive advantage in the firm. Why is it? Because they, they see what they do as significant and making contributions, and they have a chance to grow, and what they're doing is making a difference. Now, on the other, uh, the other issue we talked about is feeling valued. Well, it's pretty obvious here. If we can do this, we can have, help people feel more valued about what they're doing. And everything that we covered, we'll, get, we'll, uh, we'll cover that one. Um, and so now what is the benefits to this? Well, as any small business owner will tell you, I, 
we cannot function if we've got people who are not fully engaged. If I only got five people in the company, one person not producing at their top level is 20% of the organization. If I got a thousand people in the company, yeah, I can probably suffer it. I can tell you my experience of doing work at General Motors where we're doing lean manufacturing on the floor is that a typical General Motors plant have 20% of the people who are not working. They're, they're part of some job that's not involved in production because of a myriad of issues that are unimportant here. But they could survive and make a product and make money with 20% of the people not employed in the production of the product. That is not the case if you got 10 people in the company. And so the benefit is how do I get people to basically give their best and collectively it's all going in the same direction. Uh, I've named a couple books. Let me give another book to you that came out a long time ago that I'd recommend you look at. It was written by, uh, by Pat Riley, and he was talking about his time as coach of the Lakers, and it was called Release the Giant Within. And the, the, the piece, the nugget I got from this book was this, is that you got a team that's got James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Dabar, and you got Magic Irvin. How do you set goals in that organization? And the, the deal is you couldn't set goals that were universal. Because here I am, you know, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm not even good enough to be the number, the sixth guy. And you're going to set the same goals for me as you're going to set for Magic Irvin? Please, not going to happen. And what he did is the goal setting at that level was set personally so that each person was challenged to have their best year. If I wasn't a great rebounder and I was getting two per game, well, let's get it to three, Bill. If I wasn't a great outside shooter and my, my three-point shots were only at 15%, well, let's, let's get that to 20. And so that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about here is that not only do we have business objectives across the organization, we can begin to focus on people individually to say, let's do the things that are required that, for everybody to have their best game. Okay, And also that feeling value means people are willing to give you their best effort. Uh, a piece of research that I was a part of a long time ago, and I'm going back into the 80s, is a guy by the name of Dan, Daniel Yanklovich. He did a study called Putting the Work Ethic Back to Work. And the, the seminal piece of this research was this, is that most goals and standards in the organization are set at about the 30% level. In other words, somebody can come work for you today and work at about 30% of their capacity and get by. You'll pay them. You won't fire them. And yet we're in businesses that cannot survive with people working the standard, working the rule. The gap between the 30% and 100% is what he, he termed discretionary performance, and it's out there every day. Unless you are supervising somebody eight hours every day, they have discretionary moments, discretionary times where they get to choose two things. One, what they're going to work on and how hard they're going to do it. And you know what? I don't care how big your whip is. Or how big your checkbook. You can't beat it out of them, and you can't pay for it. It is the decision that they make. So the ultimate benefit to any business of doing all this is I can tap into the discretionary performance of individuals, and that, when I pull it together, is my competitive advantage. And um, it's, uh, it is an incredible issue it, when you can do it, and when you've seen it happen in a company, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I need to talk about now the how. So let's take on the initiative side. Four things on the how. One is role clarity. How do I make sure that people are clear on their role within the organization? Number two is giving them line of sight to business objectives. And by the way, everything I'm going down here on the list, we have covered. Number three is I'm going to put some energy into skill development. If I paint a solution space and say anything you do that's within that space is okay, i got to make sure that they can operate within that space. 
And then the last one, and the most interesting, is self-reporting, is that I create a scoring system where people have to tell me how they're performing. Now, obviously, I'm going to follow up and document their performance uh, in terms of accuracy, but you'd be surprised how much people will not want to come in and report or put up on a board how they're screwing up, okay? How, how do we get people to feel valued? Well, number one here is we model what we expect. We are what we expect from them. Number two is we challenge people to use their initiative. And when people come in and say, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, you go, well, then what ideas do you have? I outlaw, in my role right now as an XO, as a number two, I outlaw people who say no. You can tell me that's not going to work, that's fine, but you better come up with a damn good solution, at least one, maybe two, of what will work, because if all you're going to say is no, I'm not paying attention to you. And then finally, the third one is get them involved. And make sure they're clear on what that involvement looks like, because in some cases you're going to say, look, hang out on this one until I tell you to do it, or take action and then let me know, or the last one would be just do it, and if I want to know about it, I'll come to you. So the whole summary here is that we've pulled the whole thing together, and we've now talked about what people are capable of doing if we challenge them in terms of using their initiative and their talent in the workplace. Uh, so this week, what were we doing this week? Kind of to summarize, we were establishing the owner and personal brand um, and how to get that implemented using technology and products and services. And so what we should have done now is pretty much completed the whole branding pieces, and now what we're going to be focusing on is on strategy on sales. Um, next week, we're going to have Linda Heath, and Linda's going to be talking about the whole idea of restructuring debt to have a positive impact on cash flow. Um, Charles Carley's going to be in and talking about strategies that are going to lead to market domination. In other words, your company's going to make the rules that others got to play by. Mike Carroll is going to be talking about putting together effective sales metrics. And finally, I'm going to be talking about how to model accountability. Thanks. Wealth and prosperity to all our listeners. Have a great business week. Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com download your program schedule you'll find it in the resources section join us every saturday at 10 o'clock for richmond helping richmond one hour of information techniques and tools that you can use to achieve your dream clear your calendar and join in every saturday at 10 o'clock on wlee news talk 990 for the most important hour in your week as you spend your saturday on the things that matter to you take us along for the ride it's lifestyle talk radio on news talk 990 wlee richmond CBS News, I'm Pam Coulter. The National Transportation Safety Board is sending an investigator to the scene of the deadly balloon crash in Virginia. And the rest of the Mid-Atlantic Balloon Festival has been canceled following last night's accident. A balloon carrying three people about 25 miles north of Richmond caught fire and crashed. The body of one person has been recovered, and the search continues for two others who are feared dead. State Police Spokeswoman Corinne Geller. Since daybreak, we brought in a large contingent, and they are especially trained in doing grid searches. And this means these guys walk a selected section, and they will actually fan out in the area of the debris field. So our, our goal right now is to locate the other two occupants. There are predictions that most residents of several cities in eastern Ukraine will vote to establish self-rule in tomorrow's referendum. Ukraine's acting president says that would destroy the country's economy.